Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast. Hey, today we're talking about a question that a lot of us have, and that is, why has God allowed evil into our world? What we're looking at today is the life of Habakkuk, specifically an interaction that he has between himself and God, talking about the sin that he sees in God's people and outside of God's people as well. And our hope is that as we talk about this, that you will get a better understanding of how little we actually know and that you be thrust into trust in a God who is far above anything that we can truly imagine or fully understand, but know that he is good at the same time. So Nate, are you in the camp that says Habakkuk or Habakkuk and why? Yeah, I'm in the Habakkuk camp, but I will slip into Habakkuk from time to time. When you're feeling the spirit. Yeah, this is a a maritally divisive issue in our house. Neither of us feel strongly about it. So fortunately, we've been able to coexist and, and remain in a solid marriage. Praise God. But... Uh, Christina is a Habakkuk and I'm a Habakkuk and in a desire to settle this debate I recently opened up a resource I have in my study software that pronounces Bible names for you you just Mm -hmm. hit the little play button and I thought okay this will settle it it's either Habakkuk or Habakkuk (laughs) or some third way that neither of us have ever heard and unfortunately for this entry they provided both Habakkuk hey, and Habakkuk. Everybody's a winner in this situation. Yeah. So yeah. they just put them both in there, said both were viable. My thing is probably we're all getting it wrong. And there's like, <laughs> there's way more like phlegm and. Totally. <laughs> yeah. There's something in there. about yeah, that yeah. word. I'm sure. That we're just not even touching. So. I believe that yeah. too. I was like, we're all wrong. Be something. <laughs> I like that. That goes well in marriage too. We're all just wrong. Yeah. Oh man, new series, Unreasonable, Reasonable Trust, the book of Habakkuk, yeah. Habakkuk. Yeah. Um, man, what a great first study. I, I feel like when I, when I was hearing you read Habakkuk, I was like, this is my kind of guy. He's just kind of like a little emo. I thought a lot about you in <laughs> preparing this first teaching. All the artists in the room. Yeah, he's communicating to God. He's a prophet, but also musical poetry totally he's lamenting things he's grieved by what he sees he's he's hurt he's got hurt feelings <laughs> hey, this over a what sensitive he's guy man yeah. i get it <laughs> but man it was i mean what a powerful um book you know talking about the sovereignty of god evil good uh everything in between i mean there's a it's heavy in a lot of ways but there also is this sense of hope because god obviously is working he knows, and um, and he's close to Habakkuk. So I loved this first message. I had a few questions for you. Uh, one was about the the very first thing you were talking about, where Habakkuk was really bummed out and, and angry and upset about the sin that was happening in the camp. Mm-hmm. And um, I was curious from you, you know, Habakkuk went about it, and I know we're going to get into a lot more of how he handled everything, he started to confess to God like how upset he was about what he saw. 
And I think that one of the questions I had was how we deal with sin in the church. And I was just curious if you, if you might be able to enlighten us a little bit about how to actually pursue, uh, or may not pursue, but how do we handle sin in the camp? How do we handle sin in the church when we see it with another brother or sister? Um, what are some ways that we should go about that? Right. Yeah, well, that's a great question. I'm, well, I mean, things that are done to you, they're meant to be handled in a Matthew 17 way. So you go to a person one-on-one. If they don't receive that, then you go two-on-one. If they don't receive that, then you go with the church. So the church right. leadership, that's the standard format that Jesus uh, taught. Um, obviously, there's something here in Habakkuk 1 of just the ferocious response. I mean, God allows the Chaldeans to come in mm-hmm. and just, uh, you know, we know the story. He brings them into captivity. The book of Daniel's a lot about that yeah. 70 years living in a foreign land in exile because mm-hmm. of their sin. But what you have there were many, many years of them having opportunities to hear God's right. word, to be confronted with their sin before God finally acted out and cut off. But obviously that does come to pass at times in a person's life. Like I didn't talk about it in the teaching, but a good new Testament parallel would be the first and second Corinthians uh, Mm. man of the church in Corinth that Paul had to deal with. There was a man in their church that was guilty of really like an incestuous adulterous relationship with his stepmother more than likely and was kind of flaunting it in the church and chalking it up to God's grace. And Paul communicated to the Corinthian church, you need to let that man go. Mm. You got to treat him like a, like he's an unbeliever. You got to put him out Mm. of the church. You got to remove the protections that he's experiencing by still having church fellowship. You got to remove him from all that for Satan to destroy his flesh. I mean, it's a strong statement Mm -hmm. from Paul. So there are times where it gets to that level of uh, church uh, discipline yeah. or interaction. Obviously, there's plenty of examples of abusive ways in which something like that is said to have been handled. But I think after there's lots of grace and opportunities yeah, and personal right. talking and confrontation, if a person is still obstinate and still refusing to let go of a sin, then there are times where that's the course of action that Mm -hmm. the church leadership has to uh, bring about in a person's life. And it's important for the people in the church to go along with it because somebody asked me that recently, like what, what if, you know, a person has to undergo that from the church leadership, but should they still be like in a group with other Christians? Mm -hmm. Should they still be like going out to meals with Christians? It's just like the Sunday gathering that they're not part of. But what they're getting then is all the benefits and protections of the church and the mm-hmm. church community without just basically the big Sunday gathering. And so Paul seems to be talking to all the Corinthian church, yeah. not just the singular church leaders there in Corinth and saying, this is the way that you got to deal with that. But for the most part, that's not the kind of stuff we're talking about where it gets that far. We're talking about, you know, personal offenses and that would be a one-on-one one-on-two and then with the church leadership. But I think what Habakkuk was dealing with was just this like large scale general thing that there was no answer to, you know, it (laughs) was, there wasn't a singular person that he could say, well, we need to deal with that person. Mm -hmm. Or a singular offense done to him that he could deal with. It was just 
large and catastrophic. It was, here's all of these people that are saying that they're God's people. They're in this covenant community. They're saying they're people of the word. And the, the word is having no effect, yeah. no discernible impact Oof. on their lives. And for that, like, what do you do with that? Mm-hmm. For that, it's almost like you pray like Habakkuk did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the thing about Habakkuk's prayer is that God did not disagree with him about right. his assessment of what he saw and the things that grieved him. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn. Yeah, You know, there is a mourning over sin within our own lives and sin within the body of Christ and then sin within the world. There is something about a Christian that should make us mourn over the presence and the reality of evil and sin and brokenness. Um, but so God didn't argue with that. Habakkuk's error was in blaming God for inactivity, blaming God for, you know, Hey, how long are you going to do nothing when God was clearly doing something? He was cultivating this nation, the Chaldeans to come eventually Hmm. against the people of Israel. If they persisted in rejecting all the prophets. So what can we do when we're in that time and space though, where we're discouraged by the universal church or maybe discouraged by our own local fellowship And we're just kind of thinking like, man, there's just a lot of apathy. There's a lot of consumerism. There's a lot of, uh, you know, just various sins that are just, you know, like people are blind to them. They're just giving into them. They're just living in them. Mm -hmm. What do I do then? Well, I think some of it is just to be doing what God did. God was continually speaking the word. He kept sending prophets. So you just stay in the word. The prophets prayed, you keep praying to God, asking God to do something and living a model life, trying to show people, uh, Hey, what you're living in right now, it might be normal, but that doesn't mean that it's right. Doesn't mean that it's good. Doesn't mean that it's best and try to be a counter, uh, influence kind of life where people see like, dude, that guy is on fire for Jesus. That guy is actually living out the principles and ethic that the Bible describes. That guy actually has that character and that demeanor. That's different than what my experience is. Yeah, man, I love that so much. Kind of just Ralph, after that, you know, I was thinking about how a lot of people in the church will actually leave the church because of the sin that they see inside the church. And that's always really bummed me out to see how, um, and I, I get it, you know, because it is a bummer and it's discouraging. You're like, is the law really dead? Is God's spirit really dead? Are people really being changed? Mm-hmm. So I get it. But I always do get bummed out when I do see people people actually go outside the church. They actually leave. And I'm just thinking about the person who may be considering that right now. Um, do you have any words of encouragement or like, what would you say to someone who's like, look, man, this whole church thing, I I love Jesus, but I have a hard time with the church. Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person? I'd say I can totally relate. Yeah. You know, I feel a lot of ways, a lot of times the same way, but if you love Jesus, you gotta love his church because Jesus loves, loves his church. Jesus is head over heels in love with the body that he created. Mm. And so you, you, I understand that, that sentiment. Now I understand that over the years, God has put me in a position of authority or power 
in mm-hmm. a local church. And so some might say, well, you, you're just in a position of power. So of course you, mm-hmm. you know, love the church because you're loving what it can do for you. Uh, but, uh, and, and that is a reality that I think every pastor needs to check his heart mm-hmm. about and make sure that's not why I'm in this, right? I'm yeah. doing this because I love Jesus and I'm trying to respond to him going back to like Jesus said to the church in Ephesus, your first love. Like, why did you get into this in the first place? Mm-hmm. Well, I got into this in the first place because a love for Christ and his gospel overwhelmed my heart, life, mm-hmm. soul, and mind. And then as I began learning more about him, I realized Man, I want as many people as possible to experience yeah. him in this way. So mm-hmm. I want to help people. Um, so I'd say that first, I think secondly, I'd say, you know, it sounds cliche, but you want to be part of the solution. Mm -hmm. You know, if, I mean, I'm not trying to demean anybody, but you know, it's like, if you have a measure of holiness and you think the church is so unholy, well, if you leave, then what does it become? Yeah. Well, more unholy, you know, so stick with it, remain, you know, Mm -hmm. be that example to others that you think needs to happen. Of course, all of this has to be done with insane amounts of humility because, um, Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be unfair about it, but it's not uncommon for somebody to have pretty glaring, uh, planks in their own eye, Mm -hmm. uh, when they're, and they're, they're tripping out over the specs in the eye of their local mm-hmm. church. Yeah. And Jesus said, you know, first you got to deal with the log in your own eye before you're able to handle that. So you, you have to be careful about that, you know, castigating yeah. the church universally that can become a pretty pious position. Mm-hmm. So having a lot of humility is really important in the process. And, uh, and then just, you know, Put on your cup and your pads and your helmet and go to church. <laughs> Let's go. You know, be part of the body of Christ. Yeah. I don't know anybody who's served Jesus' church who hasn't gotten hurt by it. Oh, yeah. It's just the reality. We're dealing with people who are not yet sanctified, including ourselves. Yes. So, um, you know, I've hurt people. I've been hurt by plenty of people. When people say to me, like, I've been hurt by the church before, I say, yeah, me too. Uh, hmm. But what are we going to do about it? Yeah. You know, we got to just keep moving on, keep ministering to God's people. All the things that we ache for and long for, they will happen one day That's when right. the kingdom comes. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want my life to be oriented and working for the things that Jesus's presence is going to solve rather than just giving up and waiting. That's so good. I love that. I thought we'd talk about God's sovereignty for a little bit too and you know one of the the things i was noticing in the message is that you know habakkuk he recognizes the evil that's going on god recognizes it too but we talked about how god actually uses the evil to discipline his people which i know for i mean it's even hard to say that you know it's like no but he's the god of love and he doesn't do that kind of stuff he literally says he says I am doing a work in your days that you'd not believe if told. Behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. He's he's claiming credit for it. I mean, yeah. we when we talk about these things, we generally will use language like 
you know, God has allowed, Yes, you know, right. And I think that's appropriate because, uh, you know, here's a special instance where mm-hmm. God is laying claim to totally. a specific thing and saying, I did this. That would not give us carte blanche permission to say in every instance, God is saying, I mm-hmm. did this. But I think biblically we'd have to say at the very least God allow, but yeah, it's hard to even say it. Right. Yeah. It's just so crazy. Um, I wanted to ask you about just why God does do like, so like we talked about in the message obviously, but like, why does God use evil to discipline his people? Like, what, what is he trying to produce inside of us as he allows and uses and operates in this way? that's just totally outside of our understanding. Yeah. I mean, the short answer is, I don't know. Uh, I mean, in this instance, what you had, and we didn't really get into all the backstory of it. I mm-hmm. really just wanted to teach Habakkuk, not the book of Daniel hmm. or Jeremiah yeah. or the other prophets. But what you had here was, you know, eventually the Chaldeans did come yeah, and they took the people captive for a set period of 70 years. And why 70 years? Well, because that was the number of every seventh year Sabbath rest for the land that the people of Israel ignored. So mm-hmm. what does that mean? How many years did they ignore that command of God? 490 years. That's how you get 70 years of disobedience. Wow. So for almost half a millennia, hmm. they were disobeying God. So why did he use the evil Chaldeans to discipline them then? Well, because of half a millennia wow. of disobedience. Um, but I think there's something about like, um, you know, uh, Carl Truman in his book, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the title right now. You could put it in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. It's <clears throat> the, the rise and triumph yes. of the modern self, I think it mm-hmm. is. But he, you know, and he starts out the book with the question, like, how did we come to a place where as a society we would expect that it's normal for a grown man to say, I'm actually a woman. Like, how did we mm. get to that place where these things by many people are considered normal? Yeah. And what he does is he goes through, you know, the history of humanity, but also recent history of the last hundred years or so in the West and in the U S drawing out and pointing out that <clears throat> really a lot of us embrace this self-expressionistic view mm-hmm. and that self-expression kind of view, it was found a lot in the church as mm-hmm. well. Like in the seventies and eighties, we stopped making as big of a deal about divorce. We started, you know, a lot of people just kind of uh, washing over uh, sexual sins. Uh, we were like really cool with and understood real compassionate and sympathetic towards heterosexual sexual sins Mm -hmm. and kind of just saying like, Oh, you know, boys will be boys. And you know, those types of things, um, no fault divorce, you know, when Reagan put that in a place in California, I mean, and it just trickles into this landslide of, yeah, this is kind of like the logical expression of going all the way into saying, I define myself mm-hmm. and the self is what is most important. And I can do and be whatever I want to do and be. So I don't know if like, 
maybe God will allow some of those things into our society as a way for the church to kind of get back to, right. whoa, whoa, we're not self-expressionistic. We're not supposed to be anyways. In what ways are we being hmm. uh, self-expressionistic and just saying like the way I want to live is really important. I mean, like if you think about it, the person, the, the man that says, I'm a woman mm-hmm. in a man's body, in a sense, the person who says, I know that the word says to submit to my church leadership, but I'm out of here yeah, because I don't like the volume of the worship music or, or something like that. In a sense, it's like the same root sin. So I, I want to be, I, I want to be in charge. Um, so hmm. Uh, I don't know, maybe that's stating it too strongly. I'm kind of just wrestling with it, kind of processing it out, out loud as I'm thinking about it. But, um, you know, why does God sometimes discipline or chasten us with evil? I mean, I, like I said, I don't totally know, but I think at some point the answer has to be, cause that's what will work. Hmm. You know, that's, that's how he can get to the bottom of it. And that's kind yeah. of what I was trying to present with, drawing out the truth that God was writing this as a poem or as a song. I was trying to show like, this is a broken hearted God who is like saying, I want to do whatever I have to do to get you guys back. These are extreme measures that I'm entering into right now. In, uh, in in 2008, my, uh, one of my favorite actors, Liam Neeson, his, his career took a turn in 2008. (laughs) Everybody acknowledges this. Um, you know, his first role, I think he played Jesus or something like that wow. back in the seventies and something. He was just like, <laughs> oh, like he was in rom-coms, like tender, all that kind of stuff. But in <laughs> 2008, he starred in the movie Taken Boom. and his daughter gets kidnapped. He's like an ex CIA agent or something like that. And he just goes on a rampage. Mm-hmm. And now if you look at the catalog of his movies, it's like a reboot of oh, Taken 100%. all the time. There's been Taken one, two, three, and then every other movie he does seems to be like kind of that same idea, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love it. Partly I love it because he's almost 70 years old and he's still starring in these movies where he's just wrecking shop. It's like he saves his (laughs) wife. Now then he saves his daughter. It's going to be like grandkids. Someday it's going to be like Liam Neeson rescues his great grandchildren. (laughs) But what I love about it is that, uh, those kind of movies is that there's just this like, that's my family. Those are yeah. the people I love and I'm going to do anything crazy stuff. I'll do crazy stuff to get them back. And that's kind of, I think what's mm. happening here. God is saying, I know this isn't normal, Yeah, but I'm going to do wow. whatever I got to do to get you guys back. Amen. Wow. That sovereignty of God, man, he knows what's up. Hey, one of the things you said towards the end of the message, um, really struck me. I think we can kind of close it on this, but he said, trust is the goal, but often we get stuck on the problem. And I was like, that is so true. I just so resonate with that. It's so easy to get granular about the problem and to forget that we're called to trust even through the problems that we experience. So I wanted just to see, Nate, if you'd be willing to just give an encouragement to those of us who have been maybe a bit burnt out on the evil that we see, both in the church, yeah. in the world, like, What's the next step forward towards trust? Yeah. It stinks, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, it's tiring. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so fatiguing. 
you know, and when I see like probably one of the things that grieves me the most is just the junk that little kids have to hear yeah. about these days, mm -hmm. you know, just it's they're just trying to get it younger and younger to get children to be questioning their gender and their identity and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It just it's so terrible to me. It's so debasing and um, it's, in, it's not human. It's inhuman. Mm -hmm. But and it so it can just be real fatiguing. And, you know, sometimes we feel like we don't have the power, mm -hmm. the authority to do anything. Um, we're frustrated, you know, we're angry, you know, and people like me in positions of leadership where you do feel like, well, maybe there's something I could do. You know, you're, you're trying to equip and guide and help. Mm -hmm. And then you're also just kind of like, God, am I supposed to try to start a school or something? It just feels <laughs> like this is hard, you know? So you just go through all those emotions and I understand, you know, I feel the same way it can be really overwhelming. Um, but you know, at the end of the book, Habakkuk's song of trust, hmm. those things really weren't resolved yet. Yeah. You know, he says, you know, when no fruit is on the vine, when the olive trees aren't producing, when the flocks are decimated, you know, it's his way of saying like, even if all this destruction does come and the Chaldeans do truly destroy everything, and that's where all this sin leads to. Hmm. I'm going to make a choice to rejoice in God, to trust God. And then he says this really key thing. He says, I will walk on the high hills. God has made my feet like the feet of a deer. So what that tells me is that what this man began to do was become internally strengthened by God. Hmm. If you try to walk on high, rocky, mountainous terrain with your little weak, pampered, human, mm -hmm. bare feet, mm -hmm. you hurt. You just can't do it. But he said, God made my feet like the feet of a deer, hard, mm -hmm. strong, able to handle this kind of terrain. And to me, there's no other way for it. I want to be sympathetic and sweet and mm -hmm. kind and say, yeah, guys, I understand that it hurts. But if we do not run to him continually yes. and let him strengthen our inner man, we are going to get smoked by the moment that we're in. So we've got to get back to a place of saying every day I got to get before the Lord and I've got to get his word into my heart, my prayers up to heaven, and let him strengthen me for what's coming. We pray that today's discussion has blessed you. For more information and to take the discussion further, you can visit nateholdridge.com for additional articles and content. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us. Until next time. God bless.